Begin the current daf. Begin on the top line of the Yomid, where the Gemara continues the discussion from the previous daf. That is, our Mishnah had had a machlik as Remeir and the Rabbanin regarding someone steals an Eved and became older. Now he depreciated in value. How do you pay that up if a person's a Gazan? So the Tanakhama said that he has to pay Kishas exactly, he has to pay like the higher original price. Remeir said, no, Ba'avadim, you could say Harishal Cholafanecha. The reason being is because he holds Evid is like Karka, just like Karka land you can't steal. It's always Bershusi Demara, it's always owned by the person. So the Evid has halachas like Karka, as the Gemara elsewhere explains. It's like inheritance, like land. So therefore, says Rameh, you can tell Rishel Cholofanecha. The Gemara quoted the name of Rab that he held the halachas like Rameh, which Gemara had a whole discussion. Why would he leave Rameh, leave the Rabbana and pass like Remeir, and that the Gemara proved that from two different prices that actually we see that the attributions should be reversed and although it's in our Mishnah court as Remeir, which that's what Rav was referring to, it's actually the opinion of the Rabbanon, which by Avadim, they hold this like Karka, and therefore you say Harishal Cholofanecha. And that the Gemara asks, so Rav is saying Halacha is like that Halacha of Harishal Cholofanecha, so the Gemara asks, Emil Merav Avdi Dami, does really Rav hold that a slave has the same Halachic status like land? And therefore, you could just say, here, take your land, take your slave, although got older and got depreciated, I never acquired it, because it's always yours. On that has the Gemara, but Bo'am Rav Danil Bar Rav Katina, Omer Rav, Rav Danil Bar Rav Katina, had said over the name of Rav, the following halacha. Ha'tekiv ba'abdi shel chaver. If someone grabs his friend's slave, ba'asabim halacha, and he works, he does work with the slave. Says Rav, Potter. So the, the, the one who stole the slave is exempt from paying for the owner the amount of work that normally you would have to pay a guy to use his slave. He's exempt. Now that asks the Gemara, But if you would entertain, like we explained in the previous stuff, that Rab holds, that a slave is like Karka, my potter, why is the guy who used the slave exempt? It's in the domain of the master. In other words, if it's like we explained on the previous stuff, before the previous Mishnah where... So the Gazan acquired it when he stole it. He stole the slave. He used him for work. Now he gives him back as he was Kishas Exile, which is exactly as he's worth right now. So we could understand that that Shvach did got it out of it, except like that story that we brought where he wanted to penalize that thief, he'd be exempt. But if you say Ebed is like Karka, so just like by land, which is not stolen, and just like by land, if you use somebody else's land, you live there, you, you dwell there, you got some gain out of it, you have to pay for the utility that you got out of it. So why would he not have to pay for the utility that he got out of this Ebed if you hold Abdus Kamarkoi? The answer is the Gemara Hochmai Eskinon. This aloha of Rav Danil Bar of Katrina, the name of Rav, what we're talking about over there is that he's exempt, is Shalai Bishas Malacha. It's at a time when he doesn't usually work for the master. Or right now, the master doesn't have work for him to do, where that's a halachic case of what's known as zenene vizelei chaser, where the guy who took the slave is gaining, the guy who owns the slave is not losing anything. In such a case, the one who took the slave, same as halacha would be like land, as the Gemara is going to illustrate right now, then the person is going to be exempt. He sent him that ask from Ravuna the following question. If someone lives, dwells in his friend's courtyard without his awareness. Now, the Gemara in the second paragraph of Chafal of Manav explains this, Tomat Tabra case of a courtyard where that guy who owns the land normally wouldn't rent it out. He's not, he's not, he wouldn't use it anyways for, for the, the rental purposes. But someone's squatting over there, someone's living there without his awareness. Does he have to go ahead and now pay that guy rent? Does he not have to pay for his using and sleeping over there in that courtyard? 
and you sent to him in the house He doesn't have to pay for any rent. So that's exactly like the halacha that we're saying. We're Here you're using his slave or land. Yes, it's the same thing. Would normally you would have to pay, but it's just this guy's gaining and this guy's not losing. Then you don't have to compensate him for that utility. And here's the same. He wouldn't have been working with him anyway. On that, can you compare the two halachas of that halacha Rav Huna from land to this halacha by Eved? And that is Bishle Mahasam. We understand the halacha of Zanen and Vizalechasa that the one who used it and benefited is exempt. That's by halacha of someone's land, someone's property. And that is because there is two interpretations of the halacha of Zanen and Vizalechasa that you're pater. And that is explains the Gemara Bain Lamanda Amar Beisam Yasva Yasiv Nichale. Whether according to the interpretation that if someone's dwelling inside someone else's house, he's benefiting the owner of the house that it's being dwelled in because now nothing bad's going to happen to the house because the one who's living over there. He does, he does some handiwork, make sure the house stays in shape because he, he's dwelling over there. Or Bain Lamanda Maweda, according to the opinion that says, based on the passage in Yeshaya, that says, Ushi'iya Yukashar, it's also Nikhilay, which, which uh, the name of the, of the shade is, is Shi'iya. And it's Yukashar, it means, say, that it, it destroys the gates and the walls of a house where no one lives in there. So therefore, actually, this guy is actually gaining the owner of the house in either one of the, those two interpretations. So it's not only Zelay Chas, it's not only that the owner of the house is not losing, he's actually gaining a little bit that this guy's squatting in his house. The guy's keeping it in shape or that there's no shade them coming over there. So therefore we can understand over there that the guy's going to be potter. What do you think? Here he's okay that, okay, normally I wouldn't work with him, but you got to give a guy a break. You think he's happy that his a slave is getting weakened now because now on his off time you took him to work for for you? That wouldn't be a, just a regular case like that of Karka Vizele Chaster because there not only is he not losing he is a little bit because he's not getting it by the house he even actually gets some benefit here his slave is getting weakened why wouldn't you have to compensate him for that utility? Some they said no actually in this case just like the case when the guy squats in this house and he's not losing he wouldn't have rented it out anyway and he's like actually you know it's okay that you live there you know someone's at least ha- it's being habit- inhabited here also he would he, he, he's okay with the, someone taking his slave on this off time he doesn't want that a slave should sit idly and learn to be a botlin to be somebody that's just sitting idle and doing nothing He's, I have no work for him, but someone takes him, let it go out and take him. Rather, let a slave be busy than be lazy and just sit around. And that's why it's the same halacha that, yes, Avdis Kirkamakai, but it's a case of Zanen Mazalechasa, just like the house, where the guy's okay with the guy using his slave, and that's why he doesn't have to pay him. Now, the Gemara brings the following incident that relates back to this halacha of Daniel Bar of Katina in the name of Rav. Be'er of Yisab Barchama, the household of Yisab Barchama, have a Tokif Avdi de Inchi. The masik behudzuzi. They would grab and use the slaves of men who were borrowers of their household who owed them money. And for and they at times when their owners would not be working with them, they would do work with them. So Amalei and the Gir says, Rava Berei. So Rava, his son, said to Rabbi Yisrael Bachama, he says, My tama ovid marachi. Why is Tati? Why is the master doing this? How are you taking other people's slaves and working with them? So Amalei said to him, Dom Rav Nachman, because Rav Nachman said, Avda, a slave. Nohim Krise, the bread of his stomach, lay shabi. He's not even worth the food that he eats. You know, it's a convenience to have slaves, but they're not really worth it. They're, the, the owners are happy that I'm taking them because I'm feeding them when I'm working with them. They're okay because they barely get anything out of them anyway. So Amalei, so his son, his son said to him, Eimadam Rav Nachman, when did Rav Nachman say this halacha? That's Kagarin Daru Abde, that's like his slave Daru. 
Demarket Bekubi, who would dance in the taverns just to get another drink of wine, but it, it wasn't really a producer. It didn't really work so much. So yeah, such a slave, if the guy's okay with someone else using him and feeding him, instead of me having to feed him and really getting him out of him. But Kuli Avdi, Ma'avad Avdi, but all slaves, they usually work. They're hard workers. You get more out of the work than what's fed. So how are you going, taking other people's slaves and working them? So Amalei said to him, No, I know Kerab Daniels, really. I hold like Rav Daniel, which is the halacha we mentioned before. Someone grabs away the slave of his friend, and he does work with him, he's exempt. Why? As we explained previously, Alman, this is what his father said to him, obviously we see, it, that he's okay with it, he's actually preferable, look, let somebody else take him and work him, and feed him, because, you know, at least let him not be lazy and just sit idly around. So he's okay with it, and therefore that's why I take these people's slaves and I work with them, because people are okay with that, they don't mind that if I take their slaves. Now, however, Amalei, but his son said to him, That's only okay in a regular person who is not owed money by those people that he's taking their slaves. So, yeah, if you use the slave, they're okay with it. But Mar, but the master, keeping the masik b'huzuzi, since those people that you take their slaves on their off time, those people that own the slaves owe you money, it looks like taking interest, which is there's a loan, an outstanding loan that they owe you money. Now, they'll ultimately pay up that loan. But if you're taking their slaves and using them, you're getting more, than the, you're getting more out of them than what you lent them, which is the utility of their slaves. Now, although generally people don't mind it, but in this situation, it looks like you're getting something more than just the money back, which looks like interest. That he set such a precedent that even though that they said, which was the other halacha that we referred this case of ever to. Of hadar b'chatzar chaveri shlomi daitoi. Someone lives in someone else's quarter without his awareness. Ain it's rachla house leisachar doesn't have to pay him any rent because as we explained that zenen of his this guy is benefiting that he has somewhere to stay. This guy's not losing it. He wouldn't have rented it out anyway. Still, Rav Nachman explained hilvo v'dar b'chatzar chaveri. But if someone lends someone money, and now the borrower's house, he goes and he lives there. He has to go out and now pay him the rent. Why? Because if he doesn't pay him the rent, it looks like ribbis. Because this guy, he lent him $1,000, and he's going to pay him back the $1,000. But besides getting the $1,000, he's living in his house for free. That looks like interest on the loan. And therefore, he told his father that you can't, in this case, because the people that you take their slaves are people that borrowed money from you. So Malay, his father said, Hadribi, I retract, you're right. It does give the appearance of ribbis. And therefore, he's not going to do that anymore of taking the slaves of the people on their off time to work with them on the people that borrowed money from him. Related discussion to this, like we said, regarding grabbing away someone else's slave and doing work with him. So Ibn Mawir said, Someone grabs his friend's boat, and he does work with that boat. So, this is Machlekes. Amar Rav, he says, It says, if the owner of the boat wants, he can collect from the guy who used the boat. The amount of rent he usually charges for the boat. Or Rotsa Pichsanait, if he wants, he could take the amount of money that it, the boat depreciated in value. Let's say the guy who took the boat broke it or ruined it. Now, actually, the, the, the damages were actually more than how much he would normally rent the boat for an hour, and the guy took it for an hour. He could take and collect from the guy the amount that the value had depreciated. Ushmolama, he says, and they could only take the amount that it broke, that it depreciated in value, but he can't collect how much he would normally rent out the boat for that amount that the guy took it. Now, Amr Rapabi actually says, actually, it's not a machlekes. Why? The halacha that Rav said, that you could choose either one, is where 
this boat is usually rented out. So in general, we would assume that when this guy went and took the boat, it was with the intention of paying how much normally the boat would be rented for. So therefore, we don't qualify him as the halachas are with a goslin. And therefore, the reason being is because he, he has to give, the, he, he has to give the, the how much it was worth against his will because he took it like a renter. Now, if that's worth more than the amount that it got depreciated. If, it got dep- if the depreciation, if the, what he ruined was even more than that, then he would have to obviously pay for the damages like any mazik, like any goslin. But moreover, there is an element over here of that this is something that's usually rented. So if the rent is more than how much he ruined it, he basically didn't ruin it, he's got to pay for the rent. Shmuel's halacha was talking about that it's not usually rented out. This guy doesn't rent out his boat. It's his private boat. So therefore, the guy, even if let's say the rent is more than, the, than how much damage he didn't ruin it at all, he would only have to give how much he ruined it, how much he devalued it, because that would be the halacha of a goslin. But regarding rent, it's not something that you pay rent for. So he doesn't usually rent out his boat. Or if you want, you could say, says the Gemara, Actually, both Rav and Shmuel are talking about that it is usually, this guy usually rents out his boat. It's, it's, it's made to rent out. But ha, the nachas to the igra. The halacha of Rav, that he said that it, whichever one is greater, that's what the owner of the boat could collect, is where the one who took the boat used it for the purposes of renting it. So then if the owner wants to, he could collect the rent. And if he wants to, let's say if the, the amount of the damage is more than how much the rent is, then he could collect that much because, again, obviously... The guy took it forcefully from that guy, and on some level he's a goslin. So either one he could collect, because on some level he went to rent it, and on some level he also did it without the guy's permission, which is a goslin. But the halacha that Shmuel was talking about was when the guy took it, although, yeah, it's a boat that's usually rented, the guy's not, he didn't have intention to rent it. He said he had intention to steal it and take it without permission. Now there, even if the rent is greater than how much the value went down, how much he ruined it, he's only going to have to pay how much he had ruined it, and the reason being is because he wasn't renting it. Even if it's usually rented, his intention was to steal it. Who cares what it's meant for? It could be meant for whatever it is. He was stealing it. All thieves pay how much it was worth at the time that he stole it, and therefore he doesn't pay for the, the shvach, the gain that he got out of it, the boat that he used for the last 17 hours. He doesn't have to pay for those hours. He doesn't have to pay for the schar. He has to pay for what it went down since then, because he's giving the boat back as is. If it went down in value, he has to pay that difference, because that, again, is his loss, because he has to give it exactly as it was when he stole it. But that's what he explains that. Rapapa says that Rav and Shmuel are not disagreeing. It just depends if it's Avidla Agra or not, or even if it is, if it, what, the, the person's intention who took it forcibly, was it to rent it or was it only to steal it? Now, the Mishnah said two types of categories. It spoke about what would be, let's say, called Hezek Nikr, where Gazel Matbeya Venistak, if someone steals a coin and he breaks it, and cases like that, so then the Mishnah said that he has to pay Kishas Zela because he was cleaning with that Shinoi. Whereas, if, let's say, he stole a coin and it didn't break, it just became puzzle, became invalid, became void, then there was no recognizable damage, then the Ketzah Rishel Cholofanach gives it back to him as is. That was the contrast of the Mishnah. Now, there's a Machlik is how to define for example, in the first case of stealing a coin, that it broke and that it became invalidated, what are those references, what are those definitions? Amr Avun, he explains, nistak, nistak mamash, it means literally that it cracked, that it broke. So that's a recognizable damage in the coin. So he acquired it, then he has to give him back as it was worth when he stole it. Nifsal, this that the coin became void, is paslose malchus, is where the king 
commanded, the government said that this money cannot be used anymore. It's void. Not here, nowhere else. It's not going to be recognized. It's not going to be useful for currency. So that's something that, but the, the, the intrinsic dollar, the, 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 it looks the same as it always did. Therefore, that's unrecognizable damage that it could just say, I'm giving you back your thing, although it's not really worth anything. But again, that would be what the Gazan could do. He could give him back that thing. That's Rav Huna's interpretation. Rav Yehuda, he says, no, when the government voids that whole currency, that is essentially the same thing as cracking the coin. Because since it can't be used at all, so that's total damage. And therefore he has to pay, which is when you destroy something, and then it becomes the Goslins, he has to now compensate what it was worth when he stole it. Now, so what is the halacha of our Mishnah that it said that when it becomes possible, then you could say, you could give it back as it is. There would be, for example, in the case that only the people of this country said they're not using this currency anymore. But but it's still in currency, it's still usable in another country. Where in such a case, that's where uh, Rabbi Yehuda is explaining that the Halacha of Mishnah is saying that he could tell him, look, I didn't ruin your thing. You could still use it in that other country. So give it back to him as is. And therefore he doesn't have to give him back, doesn't have to compensate him for that loss. Now regarding these two opinions, the Gemara asks from different Amiram, <clears throat> on both their opinions, in contrast to the other cases of the Mishnah, which are these two categories of what would be called Nistak versus Nifsal. Amr of Chizl Rav Huna. Chizl asked to Rav Huna, he says, Lididach, according to you, the Amritet, you said Nifsal, is Paslos Malchis. You said, the case of Nifsal where the Gazan is exempt, that's, he could just say, Harish take back your coin, is when the government voids it. Now, on that asked Rav Chizda, the next, there are cases in the Mishnah of the first category that says, Hariperis Verhekivu. You have cases of produce where it just rotted, or Yain Verhekim, it's a wine that soured. Where, according to Rav Chizda, he asks, Essentially, that's the same as the category of when the government voids the currency. Because both of them are recognizable damages, and they happen by themselves. And yet, that the time of the Mishnah considers as part of the first category, which would be the equivalent of what we call stealing a matbeah, that's nistak. Now the problem is, if it's the same as how what you're describing as, as nifsal, why does the time of the Mishnah say you have to pay kshas exil? Why can't you just say, It's the same thing as when the government voids the currency. It's the same produce, but it's obviously ruined. You can't do anything with it. So the coin is also, you can't do anything with it. And yet you say, you can say, Here also, why don't you say, Why do you have to pay Kishas Akzela as it was before it rotted, before it soured? So Amalei, Sir says, no. Hasan Nishtan, the time of Erechai, there by the produce of the wine, the taste and the aroma, the smell, it changed. It's ruined. So that's going to be a recognizable concrete damage where, okay, he has to pay Kishas Akzela. Here by the currency, it didn't change. Yes. That you can't use it anywhere, but ultimately nothing changed in the object itself. No taste, no smell, nothing changed, and therefore you wouldn't have to give, as Kishasik said, you could just say, Now, you can't use it, fine, but I'm giving you back what I took from you. So too, similarly, Amalei and the Gir says, Rabbi Rabbi Huda. Rabbi asked Rabbi Huda, who was the other interpretation. Says, Lidi, according to you, the Amrit that you said, that even that if the, just the government voids the currency in, in all places, it will not be recognized as currency. You, you said that that's the same as breaking a coin, that you have to pay kishas But 
Haritrumavanitmas. But you have the second category things of let's say when Truma that becomes tummy. Where the Khipaslasimalchis tummy, essentially it's just like the case of when the government voids it. In other words, because intrinsically nothing changed in the currency, nothing changed in the Truma, it just has no utility. You can't use it anymore because it's tummy. Truma that became tummy you can't use. And the coin that you can't use, you can't use. And still, Uktani still the Mishnah toward in the second category, that he could tell him, here, take it. Take the Truma. But why? Why is it any different than the way you're describing that Nifsal Hamalchas, that that's like Nistak, where he has to pick a Shazakzele, and he can't just say, take it back as it is. So Malayas Rabbi Huda said to him, no, Hasam over there by the case of Truma, there's no recognition of any damage. It didn't change from how it looks from all other types of wheat, albeit that it became tummy. Here, the damage is recognizable. Why? Because this coin doesn't look like all the other coins that everybody's suddenly using in all the stores and all the banks. But when he stole from him, all the other coins looked exactly the same. So although, yes, intrinsically in the coin itself, it's the same exact, nothing changed, but it's very different than the truma, because the truma looks exactly like the same like every other type of wheat. Here, this coin doesn't look like all other coins right now, because the currency was changed over. So for that reason, that's considered a hezek that would be concrete, which you would have to say, and he couldn't say, Mar brings a related discussion in we learned. Someone lends his friend some merchandise. On the coin, meaning he said a certain amount of money to say that I'm lending you this merchandise, which is worth $1,000, you'll pay me back $1,000. Now, now, the coin that he designated that the payment should be done with for the lending him of that merchandise. That coin actually was voided. That currency is no more. What's halacha? So Rav Amarav says, as we continue on Tamad Beis, He has to pay him back with the currency that's usable at the time when he had to pay him back because he accepted upon himself to pay him back matbeis, coins, currency, and the old one is not currency, it's not a coin. Now, as Rashi points out, this would have to be only in the cases we described it when he lent him merchandise. But if he lent him actual money, he would only have to give him back what he gave him, which would be the old currency, even though that's void. But again, if he lent him merchandise, he can't give him back the old one, the old coin, because that's already voided. He has to give him the new currency. Ushmul he says that no, he could tell him, go ahead and use it in Mation. In that place, you could still use the currency. You got to go over there. So even though here they're not using it anymore, but there you could, and therefore he can give him back even the old currency. Amr of Nachman, he qualifies and he says, It would be logical to say that this Allah of Shmuel is only only if the Malva, the lender of the merchandise, anyway has to make the trip to Mation. So then the, the borrower could say that, look, you know, I'm going to pay you back with that old currency. Anyways, you got to go to Mation. But says Rav Nachman, but if let's say the lender had no need to go to Mation, then it wouldn't be right and it wouldn't pass halachically that the borrower could give him this old currency which has no utility over here, doesn't, it cannot be used in commerce with people, he wouldn't be able to pay him with the old currency even according to Shmuel. Now, on this interpretation of Rav Nachman and Shmuel's halacha, Eisvei Ravah Rav Nachman. Rav asked Rav Nachman from the following b'risa. The b'risa says that ein mechalim, person cannot deconsecrate Meiser Shani, which the halacha is that a person, when he has produce, he has to take off Chuma, then Meiser Rishon, which is the first type, then he has to take off Meiser Shani, the second type. After he took off one-tenth, he has to take off another tenth, and that's called the second Meiser, and he takes that up to Shalayim. Now, let's say if he doesn't want to drag all his produce, which he has, Baruch Hashem, a whole bunch of it, he doesn't want to take truck after truck after truck, so he could deconsecrate 
the value of the Maizah Sheni onto monies, and he takes those monies up to Yerushalayim. Says the Brisa that Ein Mechalun Ala Mois Sheni Yaitis. You cannot deconsecrate Maizah Sheni on monies which cannot be used, it's not usable, they don't accept that currency in Yerushalayim. The reason being is because, as the Pasuk teaches, it has to be a Kesev Tzura. The, it says, Venasata by Kesev Tzarta, Kesev, which the Gemara elsewhere learns, that it has to be not just something worth money, it has to be an actual coin, it has to be actual currency. So, since it's not usable in Yerushalayim, so you can't use that as a, as a way of being Mechal, the Maestro Shani, onto money. Explains the Brisa Kesev, what's the case talking about? So let's say how you learn Mois Kaisves Yerushalayimius, which Rashi has two interpretations. Either Kaisves is the term of Ben Kuziva, it was the Bar Kachva, which was they had minted certain coins over there, which were Jerusalemite coins. It was in Yerushalayim, so the Gersu would then be Kuzves Yerushalayimius, which again those coins weren't usable, or it's actually Kuzves is a reference to a place called Kaziv, and then the Gersu would be Kaisves O Yerushalayimius or Yerushalayimius. Either way, we're talking about coins that are not usable. Or from earlier kings, again, which is not usable anymore. So as the price of Ein those coins you cannot deconsecrate again because they're not, they're not currency, they're not current to be used. Now, on that as Rav Tereb Nachman, the inference is, that's only of earlier kings, but of later kings, meaning from a different country, which are usable in a different country, which is which is similar to the earlier kings. In other words, in this, that it cannot be used in the place of where the owner of the Maestro Shani is, because here it's possible, but it's usable somewhere else. It sounds like that then, Mechalin. Then you would be able to de- deconsecrate the Maestro Shani on those type of monies, even though, and this is the point of Rabbi's question of Nachman, that, and it doesn't, because it doesn't stipulate that anywhere, that he has to go there. Because to the contrary, Actually, the Meiser Shani money has to make its way to Yerushalayim, and that's where it has to be used. How does it help that it's usable in some other far-off country? So therefore, asks Rabbi, this is difficult to Rav Nachman, according to his interpretation of Shmuel, because he said that the whole halacha is only that when could you pay and use monies for some other, if it's usable in some other country. It's only if he has to go there. But if he doesn't have to, then it has no... Not, it's not considered currency, you see from this price that it is considered currency, even though he has no need to go to that other place, as long as it's usable somewhere else. So Malaysia Rav Nachman responded, he says, what are we talking about over here in this b'risa, that says that it would be considered, even though he doesn't have a derechlamation, doesn't have to go there, is because that's when the governments are not particular about someone having their currency and even though it's not usable in that other place, they don't, they're not bothered by that. Since they're not bothered by that, so therefore we consider it as valid currency, even, let's say, in Yerushalayim for this halacha of being machal ma'isosheni onto money, because even though it's only usable in that far off place, the countries are not particular about having money which is not usable over here. So if it's okay, so then it still has utility, it's still considered valid as currency, and that's where you can make a chil, so they can more ask. So what are you telling me? Eliki Amr, so then when Rav Nachman had said that according to Shmuel, that when, if, you, if the guy who you want to pay up to, that you had borrowed merchandise, and we're talking about with the old currency that's not usable over here, it's only usable, let's say, in Mation. So Rav Nachman said in the name of Shmuel that when he has no need to go to Mation, then it's not, you can't pay him up with that. That must be talking about Keshemachis Makpita Zoazut. What are you saying? That that's talking about where the governments are particular one with the other? Because if they're not, you just said that it does have the halach of currency, and you could pay it up. 
Shmuel was saying, you were saying it, Shmuel, that this, that it's usable somewhere else is only if he has to go over there. Must be told about only when the governments are particular about having their currency somewhere else that's not usable over there. So in that asked the Gemara, if that's the case, so then even when he does have an urchalimation, when he has business to go to Mation for, hey, and therefore you, that's when you explain in Shmuel that then he could say, okay, I'm going to pay you back with that currency which is usable over there in Mation, but hey, how exactly can he bring it over there? In other words, because when he gets to customs, so the, the people of that country, let's say Mation, they're going to check and they're going to find him with those monies. They're going to take it away from him because we said that they're Macbeth and Zelzer. They're bothered. They don't want their currency to be somewhere else. So how does it help them even if he has Orchilamation? So that the Gemara answers, no, which is that he could get there in, 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 with, in, with difficulty. Why? Because they're not so particular, the customs over there, that they should check and make sure that no one has. It's only if they find you with it, then they'll be particular, then they'll take it away. That's why Rav Nachman explained in the Halach of Shmuel that if the lender has the need to go to Mishnah anyway, so then he could accept and use that money for merchandise that he would buy over there in Mishnah. But if not, since he's not going over there, and as they were explaining that the government's Armak Peter Zuazu, again, not so particular, but they are, and he can't show it in public over here where he is over here, but to the people of Mason that come over here, because that's not, you can't use it, it's, it's black market, it's, it's, it's forbidden. So therefore, if he wants to, that's what Jim Nachman is qualifying, that then Shemu would agree that he doesn't have to receive it. It's only if he is going, that then he would have to receive it, because since it's usable over there, and they're not really so particular with customs, they're not really going to catch you, then you have to accept it, because that's a valid way of payment. But the Gemara continues trying to bring a riot to this halacha of Shmuel with Rav Nachman. Toshima. Learn the b'risa. Ein mechalun, again, regarding the same halacha that we brought from the previous b'risa, a person cannot deconsecrate his meiser sheni, his second produce tithe, al mo'ishal kan, on money over here. I mean, this is a b'risa, which is from the Tanoim, which was in Yerushalayim, where he cannot be mechalun's meiser sheni on money of Yerushalayim if the hain, if that the money, the Yerushalayim money, and the owner of the meiser sheni are bevavl. They're in bubble at the time. Now the reason is, since they can't use it right away where they are, they're in bubble, which, because it's only Yerushalayim money, and the problem is, as we mentioned before, it has to be Vitzarta Kesa has to be usable right now to be used as a coin, and it's not, because although it's usable in Yerushalayim, where he's going to end up bringing it to, but in bubble, it's not usable. So therefore, that's not a valid chil. So to Vishal bubble, you can't take Babylonian money, Vehein Khan, and that they, the owner, and the money is here in Yerushalayim. Now Rashi just points out, it only mentions the owner and the money, but it doesn't mention anything about where the payers are, because actually that doesn't make a difference where it is. You could be mechal wherever the payers are. It could even be out of Yerushalayim. But the primary is that the money has to be usable right now, so you can't use Babylonian money in Yerushalayim, and neither can you take Yerushalayim money in Bavl. Now, but let's say, but let's say if they're in Bavl, and they're being mechal on Babylonian money, then you could be mechal that. So it says the Gemara, but one thing we see from this price is that it says, that we said that if they're in Bavl, the owner, and he, his money is in Bavl, if he has a Jerusalemite, an Israeli coin, he cannot be on that coin while he's in Bavl. Says the Gemara, even though ultimately, what's he going to do with that money? The whole purpose of the Chil and Mois is to go take that up and use that money to buy stuff in Yerushalayim. 
So obviously you see that even though someone has an orchilamation, I mean he's going to end up going somewhere with that currency, like in this case, where he's going to go to Yerushalayim, even so we see that that's not considered valid currency, which is not like Shmuel. The way Rav Nachman even qualified it, that if you're going to go there, it's considered valid currency. Here we see that it's not considered valid currency for the Chil Sheni on Yerushalayim in money, in bubble, even though he's going to end up taking it up to Yerushalayim. So that the Gemara says, what are we talking about here in this price? We're talking about where they're very, very particular, the two governments. More than that, here they actually check rigorously by customs. And therefore it's dangerous to take up this, have this Yerushalayim money in Bavl, they're particular, they're really going to check. Therefore it doesn't even have the utility of Urchalamation, because how's it even going to get over there? So since it has no utility, therefore that's not considered valid. But if there's no bachashib, they don't check, that was the halacha of Nachman said name Mishmul, then if he's going there, then it is a valid currency. Now, the Gemara asks, but if that's the way you're qualifying the halacha of the b'raisa, where they're very particular in the customs, well then shem bavl, vehem bavl chazu. And then how does it help that if he's in bavl and he's using Babylonian money, which you said that does work, how does it help? He can't bring the Babylonian money, Babylonian money up to Yerushalayim because they're very particular. They don't want their currency over here. So how does that help? That thing where says, no, Chazu The reason why it's valid over there is because he can use that money, which is valid where he is right over there in Bavl, to purchase an animal, Umasik, Yerushalayim. He'll bring the animal up to Yerushalayim. That they're okay, as long as you don't bring some other country's currency over here. So since he could, it does have utility, therefore, in the case of Bavl, Bavl, that is going to be a valid Chil. But now the Gemara asks a question on the Brisa itself. Vatanya, the problem is we learn the Brisa that says, Hiskinu Shiyu, they were mistaken that all Hamois, all currencies, should be should be usable in Yerushalayim. Mipnekach because of that. Which Tais explains, this is brought in Mesach the Shkalim, that because of the Shkalim that people bring to Yerushalayim, which every single Jew has to bring from all the places, so because of that, people bring up their currency to Yerushalayim, so they, they were mistaken that all currencies should be considered valid in Yerushalayim. So the question is, why did the previous prices say that you can't use Babylonian money if it's here in Yerushalayim? Why not? Didn't we say in this price that all currencies are valid in Yerushalayim? So Amr Zeri says, like Kasha, it's not a difficulty. Khan, this second price that we just brought that says, yes, all currency, including Babylonian currency, is valid in Yerushalayim, is Bizman Shiyad Yisrael is when the Jewish people are in control of their sovereignty over the other nations. So then, yes, then they could have that all currencies are going to be valid in their country. Khan, but in the first price, was Bizman, Shiyad Umisa'ilim Takif al which is saying it in a nice way, but basically saying that the other countries control the Jewish people in their homeland. And therefore, then, there is, they are going to be particular, and then only the Israeli Eretz Yisrael Yushalayim currency is going to be valid in Yushalayim, but the other ones are not going to be. That's because the governments that are in control of, of Jerusalem are going to be particular. And that's where we said that then the, even the Babylonian one, since it's here in Yerushalayim, since it's not usable, it's not going to be valid. Now the Gemara says, Turn Abanan, says in the Braisa, just once we're talking about coins, what, what is the coin of Yerushalayim? So the coin, the way it was minted was, the David Yerushalayim had the, the words David, the Dalad Vav Dalad, and Shlaima written mitzad echad on one side of the coin. The Yerushalayim Ir HaKadosh and the words Yerushalayim Ir HaKadosh was written Mitzad Acher, Yerushalayim the Holy City, on the other side. And the Eidu Matbeish of Avram Avinu, what was the coin of Avram Avinu? It had Zakun Uzikainu Mitzad Echad, it had the elderly man and elderly woman, which was Avram and Sarah on one side, 
and a young man and a young girl on the other side, which was Yitzchak and Rivka. And I think it goes back to a discussion we had on, on, on Ahmed Alf turning on to Ahmed Bey's, which related to the concept we mentioned in the Mishnah. We spoke about if Ahmed Bey becomes puzzle. So then there was a, a machlekes between Rab and Shmuel regarding such a case of when someone lends someone merchandise and he, based on a certain type of currency, and then in the interim the currency became puzzle. Now it's time to pay back. What could he pay him back? Rav says what the coin is at that time, not obviously the voided currency, where Shmuel said, no, if it's still usable somewhere else, you can give him back that type of a currency. Now, according to the opinion of Rav, the Gemara asked the following question. Same type of a case, someone lends his friend merchandise based on a certain type of a coin. Now, the coin's not the same as it used to be. The government changed the currency, and now they increased the value. They added more silver, let's say, in the coin. They increased the value of the coin. In other words, as we said, according to Rav that says, and you give the currency what is at the time of payment, so when they increase that value, what would Rav say in such a case? So Amalois, Rav Chiz responded to Rav. He says, Same type of wording that Rav used in the case of when the currency is not valid anymore, that then you use what's at the time. Here also, at the time of payment, if they increase the value, let's say you made a 10 of these coins, and now those, those 10 coins used to be worth, let's say, $10. Now they're worth $20. That's how much the currency went up. That's how much you give them back at that time. So on that, Rav Astra of Chizda, he says, Is that even if, let's say, it's so big like a sieve, meaning they really expanded this currency? Yes, he says, yes, whatever is worth right now, those are the coins they made up. That's what he gives them back. He says, even if it's as large, a large sella, which is like the large, I could contain a reva, a quarter, meaning it's, it's a large, really large, even that big. So said Rav yes. Now, Rav asked, but the problem is now, the, the, the coin that he's paying him back, he lent him something. He lent him merchandise. Now, in regards to this coin, turns out, that he's really gaining a lot more than what he lent the guy because he's getting so much more now that the currency is that much worth. And essentially, it's like ribbis. It's like taking interest because he lent him whatever the coins were worth back then, which was $10. Now when he's giving back those coins that it was based on how much the, the merchandise was at that time, it's $20, $30, and that much more. That's ribbis. That's taking interest. How do you say that he gives him back the currency, which is that much more than it was at the time of the loan? So Amr Vashi, Vashi explains, he says, you're right. Chazinan, we look. And that is, If the price of the produce is that much cheaper now, not because the produce went down or because it's more available, just because the coins, the currency is that much more expensive, then you're right, says Ravashi. Then, we would deduct from the value of the coins they have to pay him back in, con- in, in relation to how much it was worth back then. Because that would be interest. He lent him something worth 20. He'd give him back those same coins, but not the same. He's giving back, it's worth now 20 or 30. That's interest. But as we continue in the top of Tzadachas Amanal, Vimach Mestarezil, if the reason why you can get that much more produce now than what he lent him because of the coins is not because of the coins, but just because the market price went down, because there was a lot of rain, there's a lot of produce in the world, and that's why the price of produce went down, then then we do not diminish the amount of how much this guy has to pay him back because the, the price differential, which is getting more money, more bang for his buck, he's getting more produce he could buy, is not because of the currency, 
It's because the price of, or as some of us say, it's a combination of the both, but it's not primarily just because of the coins, although the coins went up in price, but the reason why you can get that much more produce, thus making it like some type of an interest, is also because of the produce that went down. So therefore it's not distinctly a ribbus case, and therefore then it would be permitted. Now that the Gemara asks, okay, that's in relation to the coins and the produce, because the produce also went down the price, so it's not just the getting more because of getting more back in the payment of the coins. But ask the Gemara, But there is a gain, there is an element of ribbis over here in regards to the actual silver content. And that is, if the guy who is getting the new coins back from the guy, he's going to melt them down to make these chunks of silver out of them, he's getting more silver content than he had in the first coins. And that should be ribbis. When he lent him the merchandise based on the value, which was, let's say, these 10 coins, which is worth, let's say, $10. Now those same coins, because they increased the value, are worth $20, $30, $40. So now, yes, in regards to the payers, it's not distinctly ribbis because you can get more payers, not just because the coins, but also because the payers went down. But the coins themselves should be ribbis because you have that much more silver content. If you melt it down, you're going to get that much more. So the Gemara concludes, Ella, rather, you're right. The way we have to qualify it is, Kihodra Papa, Ravhuna Bredi Yeshua. That what they did was, Avdi Uvda, they actually the halacha they did regarding a person that lent his friend merchandise based on a coin, a currency, which then later the government increased the value of that coin. So what they did was they went to bezuzid da agardimista taya, which was a certain type of Arab merchant who had coins. He had from the original coins, which was at the time of the loan, and he had from these new coins. And when they analyzed, they realized that and this is how they qualified it, was adyud bitimanya. And that is, eight of the new coins were worth ten of the first coins. Then they gave him eight. Because you're only going to get the same amount up to a level of a fifth, which is what the ratio of ten to eight is. But if it's more than that, which is already that fifth, then they said, okay, you can't get ten. It was based on ten coins, but now you can only get eight coins. Whereas the rush explains because even though the Gemara's question was that you can melt it down, it should be ribbis in the coins, that amount of effort and energy and pricing going for melting it down would already be that, it wouldn't be worth it if it's less than a fifth. So less than a fifth, then you lend 10 coins and get 10 coins back, and there wouldn't be even ribbis in the coins. But you're right, as the Gemara concluded, that not just in regards to the produce, with that you have to take care of that element where it can be ribbis in the produce. So we said, okay, that's talking about where the produce went down because of there was an abundance of crop. Okay, so that's not distinctly ribbis. Now, moreover, then you have, would have ribbis in the coin, and that we said, you're right, that, that we said that if you lend 10 coins, you get 10 coins back, like he had answered him, that you give him the matbeah, would be only up until if it's a ratio of the portion of 10 to 8 mothers, but if it's already that amount, then already it's, it is a distinct difference, and then he wouldn't get 10 coins back, rather he would get only 8 coins back of the new ones, which is equal to the 10 of the old, because or else it would be a problem in the silver cotton of the coins themselves of ribbis where you lent one thing and you got back more than what you lent.